forward, seeker. When petals fall like ashes, do not despair. Hip hop is here for you, ready with the truth of you. When you feel sad and blue, stay strong, don't hide it, boo. Use its lyricism, not pills and potions. Make a conscious decision to calm iller minds' commotion. In this guide, you will find wisdom and knowledge foraged from MC Masters past. The everlasting healers, fallen heroes and dreamers, hip-hop speakers of truth. Use it with the youth, that they may blossom and shine with divine light, despite lifelong plights, through darkness and night, to live life fully, in joy's delight. Blessings and life from your guide. Hello there, this is Glow with the Flow podcast and today we've got a spoken word artist and drummer with us called Joe Cook. Joe Cook is a don, so (laughs) can't wait to hear what you've got to say today about therapeutic applications of hip-hop and mental health and all that jazz. And then... Sounds what? Very complicated. Complicated? Complicated. We do this stuff all the time every day, innit? So... I think the complexities for other people to maybe get their heads around what on earth it is. So mm-hmm. I'm going to spread it in the UK and that's why you're here. Cool. To talk about what you do in real life so that, you, you know, we can get some, um, you know, spreading and ideas, changing about how to work with people. Yeah, yeah, of course. So Ben's been working with us. Hi, Ben from Let's Feed Bro. Um, Welcome back, everyone. Ben's been working with us for a long, long time at Hip Hop Heels because our our sister company, well, project, Dubgasm, donated food and money from one of our events over to his charity. And then over the last few years, we've been just connecting. And, you know, Ben's my mentor now. And we look at social issues from the perspective of like a person-centred approach, which basically means we do what people need when they need it for them, rather than what we think people should be doing or having or caring for them in the ways that we are trained or know. Because there's a lot of, a lot of basically bullshit around interventions. And I'm sick of doing what people want me to do for the funders or commissioners and not actually helping people how they want to be helped. Mm. And being the victim of this, I've actually had a PTSD diagnosis last week and nobody told me. So for five months, I'd seen a psychiatrist. She diagnosed me at the time verbally on the phone. But as you know, with PTSD, your memory goes all over the place. So, you know, I don't remember her saying that. I asked her, what are you diagnosing me with? And she's like, oh, we'll send you a letter out. She didn't send me the letter. So I've been floating around in a recovery process that's been going on since May 2020. And it's now October 2021. And I've been asking since May 2020, which is like 17 months ago, what's wrong with me? Why hasn't this been looked at for 20 years? Can you just diagnose it so I can get the right help? And people have just gone, oh, well, go here for a diagnosis. We can't diagnose you. But you're a doctor. Okay, I can diagnose you, but the processes that you have to go through are that you go to the community mental health team and this, that and the other and went to them they said oh we can give you the trauma therapy but we can't diagnose you i'm like you can give me an intervention but you can't tell me if it's the right one because you're not allowed to diagnose me all right so he can diagnose me all right we need to go to a psychiatrist okay 
psychiatrist was patronising, just wanted to give me tablets. And then ended up going to another team. So the fourth intervention, long story short, I accidentally found out that a diagnosis had been put on the system and the hip pain that I've been experiencing for five years, which has no physical cause, that also has a name now, which I can't remember because it sounds like a you know random term. But yeah, somebody I'd spoken to on the phone three times has A, diagnosed me with a 20-year-long condition that nobody else has, despite multiple counsellors and interventions and so on and so forth, visits to the doctors. And after three phone calls, she's also put a label on this five-year-old hip pain without never meeting me. And for a throw-in as well, she just chucked in the generalised anxiety disorder label to cover everything just in case. So to be honest, I'm a bit pissed off and I'm sick of doing projects where people just want to get the money from a funder and go and do whatever it is they've been trained to. Like artists or project managers, you just look at the world from the perspective of, right, how am I going to earn and what do I need to do to get the money? Not really people, you know, who need some kind of support or not looking at how they need that support or why they need that support and then working backwards from them. So Hip Hop Heals, as a non-profit social enterprise, is a direct response to these kinds of experiences that I've had as an individual. And also being part of a community where not everybody likes to do work using words or dance or music that comes from traditional, very visible Western traditions. So we're shifting the conversation to look at underground alternative art forms. And we just happen to like hip hop where we're at, don't we? So, you know, it's a universal art form that lots of people can engage with. And it's all about life story and identity. What have I experienced and how am I going to express it? So that's a bit of framing. That's, that's, <laughs> that's the framing for today, guys. I don't think I need to say. Kids are pissed off. Let's be creative. Yeah, that's kind of good. Yeah. People will probably be listening now thinking, well, how do we shift out of that world we're in where people come up with a theory of change? They go through processes around their company and their business and their marketing and their social media, and they look at how they're going to get people into a workshop and they're going to get money to deliver the workshop, how they're going to evaluate the workshop, and all these types of things where me and Joe have been working so long in the community that we've met millions of people, haven't we? You just <laughs> yeah. write all those bids and then we have to deliver them, but we don't see them as being fit for purpose because the person who's writing the bid doesn't necessarily know what is needed on the ground. And the organisations that we partner with might not know what's possible so as artists, we come in, open a walnut, crack it open, take the fruit out, the nuts out, we look at what's in there, what needs to be rejigged, and how we can sort of create a bit of magic. And that doesn't come from writing paragraphs, punching numbers, and sitting in a in a in a computer office with a with a desk. Does it? You have to see things go wrong and see people explode. You have to see somebody throwing up, a fight kick off. You have to be there holding somebody back while the chair's in the air and uh, something's about to go on. Yeah. Yeah. You have to just come back. 
and <laughs> and we're talking about trauma here. Yeah, yeah. So I know from personal experience, and you know from personal experience that things are not linear, and you can't control what's going to necessarily come out the other end. So there needs to be enough space in our projects where people can just be human, and we're not looking at oh well, that's not going to fit into the funders' priorities of so and so and so and so because. All of our priorities should be the person that we're serving, shouldn't it? Yeah, I mean, I've got to say that, you know, when I first met you kids, where we started off from what we were doing, we were working with people on the street directly. So we never, we were never a, you know, a funded charity to go do the work. We started off just as volunteers, engaging with people already in that condition. And people on the street, they've every single one of them have experienced very difficult times i would go as far as saying many of them have experienced trauma a lot of people that are in that situation have have arrived there not of their own choosing they haven't ended up in that situation because that was their dream they've ended up in that situation because they have been left out sometimes poor decisions along the way but they're experiencing being in that environment all the time so when you start to work with people where they're at, the people in those situations shape their own solutions. And if you give them enough time in listening, then you don't have to come to the table with all the answers. You just have to come receptive. And from that, that's really the perspective that has shaped where we are going now. It's, it's, the, it's getting to understand what is needed and you can only really pick it up from the people who are experiencing that situation. So what I was also going to say on top of what you said at the beginning there was that we've had many conversations with individuals, MCs and, and artists, and I found it really fascinating that, that I think many of those individuals did experience trauma in their lives. And even though they might, they might not have been diagnosed or helped in the conventional system, they found a route for themselves, and particularly through hip hop, because that's what this this series of podcasts mm -hmm. is about. And obviously, you know the history of it, how it first appeared, mm -hmm. the the social situation in which generated that response, which is now copied all over the world, isn't it? That people write lyrics, people make beats, they put that together, and it's a form of expression, but it's also has therapeutic value. Mm -hmm. So in all those conversations with people, we've got Joe here with us now, it's like, you know, one of the questions we ask is how did your own journey start? How did you kind of, you is know. that to me then? Yeah, <laughs> I guess so, because there's, who else is in the room? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, I mean, the only thing I was gonna say about all that is I think, as well, like, it sounds really negative, but art and music and lyrics, it's just a catalyst as well. Like, that alone won't change the world or someone, but it's a good catalyst. And I think it's, yeah, I think sometimes people get hung up on their life. Oh, I did a poetry workshop with a group of young people and I've changed their lives. And so you probably haven't, you probably haven't. You've probably given them like a really great hour of whatever, but there's so many other variables that come in where that catalyst is a part of it. So my, sometimes my problem in the sector is people go in, go out, kind of thing or don't join the dots a bit more, if that makes sense. And so, 
you getting into World Cup bids is brilliant, but it's not, to be honest, it's not really helping their situation at home. You're giving them a safe space, and so how do you how do you build that in? Is it you know through that you can have conversation about what's going on, and you can pass on to safeguarding leads, and you can speak to their key workers about and stuff. It's like using it as a catalyst to benefit people. But I think we can't be like we can't be that arrogant to think that like that alone changes everything. Because otherwise, you know, there would be no homeless if everyone could like paint the canvas and problems disappear. Like then it would, you know, like like that was the only thing I wanted. I'm not trying to be devil's advocate. I just think that's my problem with the more I've been involved with some people have this real level of ego where they think, yeah, I did a workshop in the homeless and I bought all this value. And like, yeah, you did. But then when that workshop finished, those people still had to, yeah. you know, they were still sleeping rough or whatever. So how do you, how do you use the art, you know, more, more than just within that moment. That was the only thing I wanted to say. I don't sound like I'm just <laughs> sucker punching. Yeah, no, that's, that's that cool. Sense. No, I'll just quickly respond to yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, go for it. While I spill tea down my trousers. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, mate, I had a journey through my training in therapeutic writing mm. where I decided for the reasons that you just said, yeah. I was going to make sure that every session showed somebody a technique they could use to let off steam yeah. when they're on their own. So in my personal experience, having to go through stuff and not feeling like I had a connection or a support system or some kind of nurturing relationship that I could use. I get you to kind of release how I was feeling or create understanding. I had to work out ways to create it for myself. Mm -hmm. And death can be so isolating. Trauma can be harrowing. So you don't kind of want to reveal that you're struggling because other people will listen to that and sometimes either push you on or they might push you back and say, oh, you're still still not over that or why are you still bringing that up? Or It could sometimes be a competition. Uh, Yeah. Oh, well, I'm just like, you know, like any people try to out. Yeah. And there's certain techniques with writing that help you to process and put down and and negate some of the more harmful things that might be on your radar coming to you if you don't let some steam off. So, no, I think my point is more about the artists themselves, just like. You're not, you're not Shay Guevara yeah. because you've done like a workshop. Yeah. <laughs> That's kind of the point I was getting at. But anyway, sorry. Ben's question, me. Who yeah, are you and where are you yeah, from? Yeah, yeah. Yes, my name is Joe Cook from Birmingham. The majority probably started with playing playing drums. So I started by playing drums uh, when I was about, was about 11 or 12. I was in year six, however old you are in year six. So a long time, I'm nowhere near as good as I should be for how long playing. But yeah, always just love music and creativity and art, which I was thinking about this on the way here. I was trying to think of some really profound things to say. And like growing up for me, it was all just imagination. It wasn't creativity that we now call creativity. Like for me, it was just all imagination. I always knew I had a good imagination. Like I'd write short stories, I'd draw pictures. And I think being an only child as well, you like, just play on your own so you just kind of kind of invent your own worlds and games and I was obsessed with like Pokemon I designed my own like Pokemon series you know like just all that kind of yeah it was called Power Pets so I remember really clearly like yeah so always like naturally just naturally into creativity and had a, a mad imagination and then yeah just we playing drums started a band so when we started a band Lobster which is silly now been together about 12 years uh, started writing lyrics and just really enjoyed writing lyrics and it got to a point where I wasn't just writing lyrics for songs, I was just writing all the time and I ended up just having like a load of notebooks. 
handful of, of stuff. I mean, and I, I can't remember exactly what happened, but there was there was some point when I was about in my early 20s where, um, well, I don't know what it was actually, I went through a bit of a rough time and looking back, it really wasn't that rough at the time. I went through a breakup and me and my mates got jumped and it just like, that was on the same day. It's like, really? I got dumped, dumped in the morning. Jumped in the evening, not by the same yeah, person. In the bar, in the yeah, I know. Somewhere, yeah, literally. So, my, my, my confidence just really scrambled. So, I just thought, like, oh, I want to do something for me. And a pal of mine who I knew at uni, he lived in Camden and he was really connected with like hip hop and grime and stuff in the UK. He was really on it and he would always send me stuff to listen to. And he sent me George the Poet. So, like, the first time I'd ever really heard spoken word before, and I was sounds really out of them, but I was like, mate, I've got, I've got books of, of rhymes here. Sound like, better like, than that. Like, 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 <laughs> I, was like, I, I was like, I could do that. And initially when I first started yeah. doing it, I was rapping, but I wasn't really rapping to beats. I was like, a guy I lived in, he played acoustic guitar. Mm. And I know that sounds really cringy. It wasn't one of them, like, here's my acoustic cover of, like, the Fugees. <laughs> like, 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 it wasn't like that. So he would like, we'd come up with, like, kind of rhythmic parts, and I'd sit and write, or I'd mm. go through my books and be like, oh, we can use this. And then just for whatever reason, I just kind of crash landed in the spoken word scene because everyone I knew was a rapper. Mm. And I thought, you know what, for me, spoken word is like, it's seen if your lyrics hold up because some of my favourite MCs, I love these tracks and I'll read the lyric sheets and I'm actually like, that's actually not that interesting. It's the flow and the production and the tone behind it, which is all important. But And people disagree. I had this conversation with, a guy called Andy Wicket, who was an original member of Duran Duran, uh, and he wrote their big hits, but he left the, I don't know the whole story, but he basically left the band before they they, they mm. became the, the huge, so, so he wrote like Girls on Film and all that, like whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he was saying for him, it's about the melody, that it's like the melody is the most important, where for me, it's the lyrics. I think your lyrics should be able to read and hold up on their own. Can I, I just... Yeah, go for it. Uh, it's probably a dumb question, but what is the difference between spoken word and rapping that's interesting so do not so rap the word r-a-p do you know what that stands for as an acronym no. river man poetry so that's what rap stands for so there's, there's mm-hmm. very I thought, to, sorry i thought he said river man poetry as in river Man, but you said rhythm and poetry. I was like, sorry, it doesn't mean rhythm and. I got a strong bump for me. Rhythm and poetry. R A P. I prefer the rhythm man. Rhythm man, rhythm man, yeah, rhythm man. The rhythm man. So it's an acronym. Yeah, so it's an acronym. It used to be rhythm American poetry because obviously it was born out of South Bronx and stuff. But obviously it's recognised on a more global scale. So when people ask me that, I find it really hard to answer. I think spoken word, for me, is poetry which is made to be performed, not necessarily for the page. So it doesn't have to rhyme, but I think it's it's supposed to be an oral thing that people are supposed to sit and listen to it. Okay. Whereas, obviously, poetry, some some I, I'm not going to pretend I know a lot about poetry because I don't. You've got people like, I can't even think of any names. You're like the big shots in like, the poetry or T.S., and all that, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Um, like you know, yeah, like you know. But then you can look back through history, mm. and you can see like different cultures, like Viking stuff. It was all, it was all about saying it out loud and stuff. Even like the African griot, it was about saying it out loud. So poetry's been spoken more than it has been written down. Um, so yeah, for me, it's just literally that the music disappears. Right. And I guess when there is music, that it's not how we rap 
you're locking into the twos and the fours, you're locking into the beat. You can you don't have to be as unbeat, but there's still a flow to it where rap it's about being in time I with agree. the with I the mean, music. I, I remember like obviously you know at school. I mean, we did Shakespeare at school. So sometimes when you, those passages and they're spoken out, there's a kind of, they don't necessarily have a rhythm, but the, the the actual words that are used and the ideas that are brought, it has an impact, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. It has like, reading something is is kind of different. I mean, we, we, we I'm just thinking about like the stirring speech of like Henry VIII when yeah. he was calling his troops together. Right. These like impassioned mm. yeah, like, yeah, yeah. words. Really? And that, it does touch us, doesn't it? Yeah. We, like emotionally and completely. mentally. You know. Whether that's Shakespeare, whether that's, yeah. you know, um, can't think of any of them. I'm just thinking of like really old white men. trying to be Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, so even down to like Plato, yeah. Greek philosophy there's a lot of like poetic device but sorry to answer your question I think it's where the words become the real core of it rather than the, the timing and the, the, the beat and yeah. stuff like that that was how I would answer it yeah but then I can think of rappers that are a bit offbeat mm. Mike Skinner Rizzo from Wu-Tang Clan he's kind of that like very lazy flows where they're, they're just on point <laughs> like, like but yeah that's how I would answer it. It's just where it's just where the words become the the meter rather than the um, the beat and stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, that's a good way of describing it. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> I'm gonna know about now. <laughs> <laughs> Even though River Man poetry would be profound. <laughs> so yeah, that's me. I think. <laughs> I didn't even talk about my word. I did. I should probably talk about that. I don't, yeah, yeah. Well, just um, thinking that. Some people might be listening mm-hmm. to this podcast thinking that we don't know what therapeutic hip hop is or yeah. why it could be therapeutic or how to work with people that could benefit from it. Yeah, yeah. So, so narrowing it down, yeah, yeah. can you talk to us about a time that you work with people through hip hop? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, majority of my work is in educational youth engagement. So working pupil referral unit, which in Coventry they call it ELC, Extended Learning Centre, which is where kids have been removed from mainstream education. And it's more than often behaviour issues. And I don't mean to sound that as a stereotype, it is. There are centres where it's more mental health, like they struggle being in those environments. But the kids I work with, it's behaviour issues. Could it ELC because it's supposed to be temporary. They're not supposed to be there forever. They, they get in a bit of trouble at school. They get kicked out. They come to the ELC. They're maybe there for a couple of months and then they get put back into mainstream education. That's the point of it. Doesn't always work that way. I've worked with kids that have been there five years and stuff like that. So um, you know, some people get lost in it. Some people suit them better than the mainstream. So when I do that, I work in a primary and junior school as well, doing creative writing workshops. And uh, then we're involved with some music making after school projects in Birmingham. Uh, so yeah, music and my background being drums, music production, and uh, living writing. So kind of rhythm and words is what I deal with. So I use, I think the kids wouldn't call it hip hop, but I use hip hop on a daily, especially in the people with our units. A lot of the kids I work with into drill music. So if anyone, I'm sure people will know, but to be saying, Jill originated in Chicago, Southside, kind of a branch off of trap music 
stereotypically very um, <laughs> very I don't want to say urban but very like gang orientated very crime orientated very criminality orientated very talking about money and drugs and how they're getting the money and very calling out other oppositions and people literally boasting about crimes that they've committed or haven't committed then that made its way over to the UK really took off in areas of London like Peckham and Brixton and stuff like that and then now it's it's like a few you know there's been a number one I forgot the name of the two now body body remix in the UK which is completely its core is like a drill beat and stuff like that so it's 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 popular culture now it's mm -hmm. like you know you've got you hear I heard it on an advert like the other day and I could hear a drill beat and it was also a really irrelevant advert I can't think like an insurance company or something like that like, <laughs> yeah. and, and you've had yeah. people like again my mind's going blank for names but people like Hugo I think like the Hugo bus I've done like things where they've had like trap phones and like like you know it's like people are really jumping on the culture basically so yeah so a lot of the kids are, are into drill and a lot of them write lyrics um so a lot of my work I try and be as youth-led as possible but a lot of my work the kids more than often have a load of lyrics in their phone and we'll, we'll I'll listen to them and we'll make beats and then we'll write stuff and so those aspects of hip-hop of like beat making and um the MC, not so much the graffiti and the breakdancing side of it, but those two elements uh, are the elements I really draw upon. Um, so yeah, I guess that's how I use it on a daily. So even same in the, um, the primary schools, man, because like I teach whole class, but I'm not an English teacher. I use like what I know as lyric writing techniques, which for me comes from my love of hip hop. So yeah. So I've got a question mm -hmm. because uh, I, I was really intrigued by your comment after the introduction when you were talking about this kind of ego thing yeah. that a practitioner brings into that kind of yeah, 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 scenario. Yeah. So being aware of that, is there something that you do with yourself when you're in that situation to try and remove that? Because I guess that part of working, you know, and... And, you know, even myself, when I'm kind of with people and working with people, I'm conscious that, you know, you said something really interesting. You're not going to change the world. But but the truth is you do want to have an impact. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so what do you do? Is there something yeah, that yeah. you, you know, how do you approach that? It's just got to be youth-led. I'm talking about what I do with young people. It has to be youth-led. In yourself is what I'm saying. Yeah. So what yeah. I mean with that is I'm just a blank canvas. I, I'll go in, I've got... My laptop, my drum machine, a drum kit, an amp, mm -hmm. and I got my brain <laughs> to do lyric. And that's all I can offer as a practitioner. Like, I can't play guitar. So I'm like, these are what I can bring to the table. What did you want to do? And if they're like, oh, well, so I've got a lad at the moment who wants to make horror soundscapes for like okay. video games. I don't really play video games. I'm not really into horror. Yeah. It's okay if that's what you want to do. Let's, let's do that. So yeah. I think for me, it's not like, no, you need to be making boom back because okay. that's the best genre in the world so for me that's how I diminish my ego that it's not about what I think is good yeah. I'm not like a tastemaker or a gatekeeper like you know obviously I'll guide them hang on you're not a tastemaker or a gatekeeper have you seen all the people following you around <laughs> on the streets like a pie piper don't you yourself short for the podcast take so, <laughs> like it is <laughs> so like yeah I know what you mean I just I don't I'm really grateful for what I do as well I always like so 
I don't go in there being like, and me and my friend were having this conversation the other day, and we were like, we were like, boy, like Birmingham rappers, man. Some of them just, they come in, they work when I want to work, they do what they, like, like, I'm so grateful for the opportunities I've got. So it's like, I want to do a good job, if you know what I mean? It's not like me coming in like, yeah, yeah I might do this, I might do that. So work with me, darling. Yeah, so, yeah, that so, kind of, yeah. So, in a, so in a way, I guess what you're saying, I mean, if I'm interpreting no, it, no, right, it's right. that you're, is you're saying like, these are the things that I can bring. You press my buttons. Yeah, yeah. It was just like, this you is know, what we can beep, do. Beep, beep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is what we can do. Does any of that sound good to you? So I've got a lad, I've got a lad who's been in the crew since year seven. He'll never go back to mainstream. He doesn't want to go back to mainstream. Like, like, oh, but he would get sent to my class and he'd say to me, like, I'm being honest, mate, I have no interest in like, any of this. And I was like, okay, that's cool, but you, I've still got you for like 45 minutes. So mm. what can we do? So once we watched a documentary about a drill artist he likes, like, and I just sat there and asked him questions, like, what do you think about that? What do you think he is in prison? And we just had a conversation. And I've recently found out he's into boxing. So now we just, because I box, we just talk about boxing and watch boxing videos and stuff. And it's just like that thing of like, I'm going to be guided by you as much as I can. Yeah. And even if it gets to the point when like... Yeah. So you boxed it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a big, big part of my life. So how come you kept your nose so straight? Then? <laughs> I haven't. All the cartilage is gone in it. So yeah, I'm blocking too many punches in my face. But yeah, yeah. That note, yeah, it, yeah. Anyway, that's a whole other podcast. <laughs> yeah. But sorry, my mind's just gone out. I'm thinking about when I got my nose broken now. But yeah, so just that really of like, and I know my work might be sitting in like, we don't pay you to sit there and watch boxing. Like, like, but it's just about engaging young people however you can. I always say to people when people ask me for advice, like, don't try and be down with the kids. You're just going to look like a mug. So like, like, it's important to try and keep your finger on the pulse. Like I've got into a lot of, not got into, but I know a lot of drill artists now because they play me their stuff and whatever, and I understand the lingo. But it's just like having those conversations, just being like, oh, I know nothing about drill, mate. What's your favorite? Drill tune rather than, oh yeah, drill, 140 DPM, I know about that. It's just about like, it's not about you as a facilitator. It's just not about you. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you, if you, it is about you, then I don't know. Go do a TED talk or something like, like do something like that really put you in the line like go and sit in a communal workspace and (laughs) and talk about oh sorry sorry but don't get me wrong don't get me wrong like there's people that like their opinions deserve to be heard like if you did a TED talk I wouldn't like but yeah I hope that answers your question just I just I'm I'm naturally not I'm naturally quite unconfident as a person as well so I always feel like I'm like I think that went well like like, I'm always like that after a session like I, I always want it to be as good as it can be I think I like I like I like it when when what you're saying I like what you said like being a blank canvas because I think that that actually I mean if I relate it to like circumstances I mm-hmm. find myself in with people it's a little bit like they're individuals who who feel as if they don't have a voice or anything to say they they're pushed aside yeah, I mean yeah. you know the the street thing is like I'm invisible no one notices me yeah. I guess you know someone's been excluded like that behaviour it's not they're excluded. Because no one has taken the time to understand why that behaviour is there. And True. they just want the behaviour out of the way. So it's not, they're still ignored, aren't yeah, they? Yeah, yeah. You know, so I think that that yeah, individual kind of needs to like walk into a space where they feel like they can do what they want, talk, speak their voice. No, no, no. And whether that's a lyric 
pick up a beat, watch a yeah, boxing yeah. video, whatever it is. And I think that a blank canvas is a nice way of putting it. It's like, you know, your turn to speak now. Yeah, no, completely. It, no. And like, I've been fortunate enough, sometimes I've been in positions where I had a girl I was working with who did a bit of drumming mm-hmm. and she wasn't really into that much anymore. So then, but she was always listening to music and she was always listening to really kind of mm-hmm. poppy, broken heart, ballad kind of things. And I was like, oh, is this kind of what you're into? And she was like, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I was like, why don't we write like a, a song like, like this, like a kind of heartbreak? And mm-hmm. she wrote these brilliant lines, but I'm a lyrical guy. I'm not, I'm not a melody man. I can't sing. So it was just like, we had this tune and I was just like, oh, like, but I don't know. Like, she doesn't want to rap it, so I can't teach her that. Like, how am I going to do it? I'm in a fortunate position where I had some budget to get a facilitator mm-hmm. in. And that's what I mean about the ego as well. Like, it's about, like, if I can't do what is mm-hmm. going to really work for you, um, mm-hmm. I can at least try and get someone in that can put that in place. And I've got my friend in, mm-hmm. Nicole Justice, who works in Proves mm-hmm. in Brum. And she's an amazing rapper and vocalist. And she came in and did, like, a vocal workshop mm-hmm. and we got the melody down and it's just that thing of like mm-hmm. well I can't sing so you're not going to write a song like it's like no like it's and I think I, I understand that not everyone has that privilege where I you know I had a budget to be able to pay for that but I think that's what I mean about making it as you've said it as physical possible as or learn whether you want to call it learner led or I, I don't know what the correct term is for the people working on the street like participants or whatever just making it as centered on them person centered yeah. probably the word that you do yeah. but sometimes I mean uh, and this is a just really an open question because sometimes we encounter people who've been who've never had the opportunity to voice yeah. their thoughts <coughs> and feelings and now and you know when you encounter them that they live in a completely different world it's yeah, the same yeah, yeah. world but they have their own way of doing things and actually trying to connect with those individuals and you come across them and we have conversations around that when we go out on the street with certain individuals. It's like we've seen them for like months and some even years, but they don't engage with anyone. Yeah. And they're in their own world now, per- almost permanently. And the question is, how how can you make that? Because we come from a much more structured world. Mm-hmm. You know, everything is structured in the society we live in. There are some people who wander th- through our society who are completely disconnected from it. And I guess uh, quite a number of them might be in mental asylums as well. And I keep thinking... We're here now. (laughs) (laughs) Speak for yourself. (laughs) I I keep thinking that we're missing out on something. Mm. There is Mm. something there, some knowledge, understanding, perception, intuition. We need to hear. Yeah. I don't know the answer. Yeah. I know I fully agree with you. I'm just like, in what I do, it, it, it is just sometimes like s- some of the kids I worry particularly in the pools have really mad lives at home. Some of them are in the care mm. system and some. So sometimes that like 40 odd minutes they get with me mm. might be the only time that week because there's a lot of hostility between them and the teachers. And I get that because when I was at school, it was like, the teacher's the enemy, the teacher's like, which it shouldn't be, but like, I was one of those hothead kids that felt like that. Like, what do you mean I can't have this badge on my blazer? Like, 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 I'm being oppressed or whatever. So sometimes, like, I might be the only person that asks them, like, how their week's been, because they're not getting that at yeah. home and stuff like that. Like, and like, you know, so there is that element as well that I think we take for granted, like, 
how normal our lives can be. And some people are just, home is chaos. Like, you know, and if you're like, I'm dealing with a lad at the moment whose father commit suicide in July, and he's like 15. And it's just, I can't even like, you know, God bless both my parents are still alive. If I lost my dad now, as a 29 year old man, I'd still probably lose my head. And if I lost my dad to suicide as a 15 year old kid, because I wasn't, yeah. I was a bit mad when I was younger. Like, like it's like that. I don't, I don't get how they, like, I don't get how he's just carrying on. You know what I mean? It's that thing of like, the, the, we don't talk about it in the class. He's not wanting to write about it. And I think that's a good thing. So we're writing, we're focusing on like a real bravado, braggadocious, like, mm-hmm. trap. But it's like, if that, if that, what you want to do for 40 minutes, mate, who am I to say, no, we're going to actually, and thinking back to kids' thing with the therapeutic thing of like, it's kids that's completely turned me on to this idea of therapeutic hip hop and stuff. And um, it can be like really bad trying to get people to, to talk about these really deep, dark, like if yeah. you if you were like, well, might not be the right yeah. time and space for that. Yeah, yeah. And, and, then, yeah. and just also like, some people don't want to be seen. So I can imagine if you're working homeless, it's like, write me a poem about being homeless. Like that can have a really positive thing. Like people are like, I want to express my thing, but I want some people like, well, it's not all I am. Like, you know what I mean? Like, um, it's difficult so, to do that in a formalized situation. It's kind of something that kind of has to evolve, I guess. Yeah. No, no, I'll completely. Yeah. That's what I find with the, the drill thing. Yeah. Uh, and again, kids has made a really good point. Like, so much of drill is about violence and drugs and whatever that it almost becomes part of the music that for it to be drill you have to, to you have to talk like that and there is a word for it it's like a psychological word it starts with an s which is basically how like if i said to you picture a, a bathroom you'd think of a bath a sink maybe some curtains maybe and like that our brain creates these like i think they call them prototypes of things and we do that with music that if we hear like country, if we say like country music, we think. And Going girls, back we to think, my like, old town, <laughs> yeah. the girl and, and I used to know. It's a suggestion. I can't. Like I'm going to have to Google it. Yeah. It's, it's, it's like something that's got an A in it. It's shining out, it's shining out. So it's a weird word, but our brains do that. And our brains do that with music that we paint these. Our brains are always constantly trying to grab information. So drill, in my opinion, this is just my like theory that when kids think drill, it's like, okay, being in a trap house, guns, violence, and it's that. And a lot of what I do is unpacking that and saying to the kids, like, we can we can make a drill beat, we can make a drill beat, no problem, we can use that. But what have you thought about? Maybe we could talk about this. No, 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 try it. You can use the same, same kind of flow and it always speak like this. You can do exactly that if you want. But let's switch it up. Can you so, do the rest of the podcast with that voice? Just yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> I can't think of any rhymes. I can't freestyle the same in my life. But like, like, uh, but it's always that, and, and also that voice, like you know, like all of a sudden, if I'm London Tunnel, I'm speaking really. And all this like kind of like down here. Yeah. But anyway, I wonder why I couldn't even pick that up. But the point being is like, and I've done that, and that. For me, that's the best bloody feeling because uh, I've had it when I was working with Solid Hall Youth Offenders, and one of the lads was writing all this madness about, you know, stab you in the back of this, that, like, I mean, physically, I'm going to stab you. And he was a really nice kid, and I said to him, Why? And a bit of context, his father had also passed away, and he said, Oh, I've wrote something about my dad passing. But then he was writing all this, like, 
I'm a gangster, blah, 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 blah. And I was like, mate, you talking about like your father dying for me has way more impact, way more interesting. Like, why, why are you talking? And he goes, because it's easy. He's like, I can just say the maddest, I could say, you know, I'm going to come in your house with a chainsaw and I'm going to like, like, and that's like, it doesn't have to be as, it's easy to like, yeah. just make up rubbish. Like what they call it, injury a waffle, <laughs> like just make up. But it's difficult to dig deeper a bit and go inside yourself. So I get it on a level. It's, and, and, and if all you're hearing is people talking about that, yeah. then you're just going to add it all, you hear the same phrase over and over again about sitting in the bando, the booked up car, put on a bench, put in a spliff, which means that if someone is dead, they're smoking your ashes in a spliff. That's how like, brutal it is. And put on a bench means when people die and they have the memory on the bench, like this bench is dedicated to, that's what these kids are talking about, but they're just regurgitating the phrases that they hear. And like kids are working in the primary light drill. So sorry, I'm going off on a, like it's not, you know, it's filtering down to like young people. But the point being is, sorry, that when when you can take that drill formula and then apply it to more, I don't know what you kind of call it, consciousness or real, they're getting the same buzz, the same vibe. They're just lyrics are a bit more self-reflective and then that's where all the therapeutic value. So a lot of what I do is is that, is, is taking a drill framework and then trying my best to just yeah. sort of chuck the lyrical content a bit. <laughs> do, you have, do you have moments like when when the people you're working with like say things or express things and you're like you're not sure how to handle it or you're lost for words and you're literally in terms of like a safeguard you know in terms of like a profound thing yeah more of a kind of a profound yeah i had a young man i was working with he wanted to make a drill track and he lost his sister his sister was hit by a car back in like 2016 mm. and he was like I want to write about that and I was a bit like right okay like 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 knowing that you know oh man this this could get messy like you know I'm not and I always say to kids like I ain't a therapist man I'm yeah, just yeah. a dude that writes rhymes and makes music like yeah. I'm not in a position to say like how are we going to talk about it so got to the day when he <laughs> we got to that section of song and I remember we were both sitting in silence with the loop on the beat we made and I was just like Okay, mate, so what what we're gonna do here? Like, and then he came up with one thing, one line. In 2016, my life went to hell, running from feds, trying to put me in a cell. I can't describe the pain when my mom said you're not gonna see your sister again. And then that was enough. That so he came with that all by himself. And then what we did was we started using, I was like, use that in a, what what if you're using a simile, mate, what could you say it's like? And he was like, hell. And I was like, that's a really interesting image. What could we say? And it was like, and he came up with like, took me to hell's gates. And it was just using like metaphor and simile to, to get there. And the thing that's more profound about him is as we were finishing the track, his dad was arrested and um, was looking at 10 years in prison, uh, basically for some quite serious crimes. And he came in on the last day that we were just going to listen back through the track, check he was happy with it. And that was it. And then he was like, came in with some stuff in his phone. He's like, I want to put this in. And I was like, okay. And it was all like, my dad's looking at 10 years, the whack, which is what they call it. Gun. The whack got caught. I don't even know he's went to be in court. Numbness is all unknown because one day I'll have feds in my home and then we just fine tune it. But that was like a moment of like, whoa, this kid is literally doing, he's taking, he's using it as a way of like navigating through this crap and he wants to put it down. Like, like and I think that's really powerful. So that's one of the ones that jumped out to me. It's a slow burner, but I do have it all the time because I think 
I'm someone who'll be quite blunt and I'll say to them, look, man, like, you don't have to talk like this. I understand you're growing up in those communities. You might have family involved and you've seen stuff and I'm sure some of you are involved. But right now, just for this little 40 minutes of me, you don't have to be that person. When you go to the studio, fine, you're not in my class, do what you want. But yeah. when you're here, like, I just say to her, I can't make you, you can't say, I can't have you saying anything that's going to get you arrested. It's that simple. <laughs> like, it all put you in danger. So yeah. we need to think differently. Yeah. Like, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm more, I'm interested in that bit where you're, you're, you're kind of sensing the, the, the profundity mm. of what's happening because then that may because it, it that also has an impact that's a good you. word and it profundity profundity <laughs> I was thinking that should be your time for later yeah <laughs> I've been a bit somewhere yeah. profundity of the profundity of this activity was clear sorry go so that has an impact on you yeah oh yeah 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 so so that so that means that you also have to look after yourself yeah and it Mm. I was fortunate enough to be in a position where I was working for a city of culture as a resident artist and it was all about um, music against violence, against youth violence. How can we use music as a tool to combat youth violence? Mm. And also just talking about young people. Young people using the art in ways. And I was fortunate enough, I already knew the kids before we started the project. So a lot of it was asking these questions. And basically, the commission had like a list of questions like, what is it like to be a young person in the city? How does youth violence affect you and all that? And I said, I'm going to treat you like an artist. And I just read out the commission. I was like, this is what I've got to make. But look, what would you say about that? Because they knew me. They were just pouring stuff out, like telling me about like, self-harm and crimes they've been involved with or, or things that they've seen in their area or friends that have been killed. And it was just like, whoa. Like, like, and I felt really like privileged that they're telling me and they're feeling comfortable that they can but like you said, you go home and it's just there. And I've got like ADD, so my brain always has like 20 tabs open anyway. And I, it does just like rattle around. And yeah. I said, and the nut and bolt of it is sometimes you're like, man, I just wish I could like adopt this kid and take him home with me. Like, because it's just like, if you were mm. not born into that situation, your story would be completely different. Like, it's like not your fault. So yeah. I don't know. I think my dealing way, my way of dealing is talking to people talked to my girlfriend, talked to my dad, mm. uh, my mum. I talked to um, my line manager. But then also it's a bit ironic, but then doing exactly what they're doing myself. So writing something about it, trying to consume everything I'm feeling and just vomiting it onto a page, like because that that's always helped me since I've started writing. But mm. it is tough, but I think if you... It might sound controversial, but because everyone says you have to switch up. And I know people who do really tough work. They work with like unaccompanied refugee like children or people who work in prisons and stuff like that and people say you have to be able to switch up but I think if you're not switching up I don't know if your heart's really in it and I'll be honest and that might sound really I don't I know if people do switch up I'm sure your heart is in it but for me I don't get how I don't get I, I don't know how you could not I'm not sure that you can actually switch yeah, off I, I think that. maybe that's really not the right terminology distance yourself from it temporarily mm. <laughs> yeah yeah like but when it's a distraction and stuff yeah like. but it's not because hey because once you've seen and heard and felt and sensed the cat's out of the bag yeah you can't switch off can you no and to go back to your boxing thing about boxing it's like that like, i'm not a spiritual person i don't meditate i don't sit in the lotus position or whatever and burn incense like i go like i just i box or i, I do martial art that's my mm. 
when I'm knackered, all I'm thinking about is how knackered I am and hitting the bag. Mm-hmm. And I'm trying not to get my head punched in, in the ring. Like that's all I'm thinking about. So for me, that is my like hour to two hours of, of my zen, if you want yeah, to call yeah. it that. Yeah. So that's important to me. If I don't get to the gym, yeah. or I don't go out to run, or I don't go kung fu, then I do. But my thing is, I feel cranked. I don't feel like emotional. I feel like wound up, yeah. like kind of thing. Yeah. So that's something that's really important for me, like physical exercise yeah Yeah. I don't know if you've got anything to say yeah you're talking about with your physical process working things through the body and I think people forget about the body's role in all of this Mm. in the psychological processes because we are all connected but um one of the things I learned to do was create boundaries for myself and that's a word that I didn't really know before Mm -hmm. I started on the therapeutic journey (laughs) the writing and the Mm -hmm. masters but I started to understand how little things are arriving on time or not saying personal stuff about you can create a boundary gap, a passageway where, you know, you don't enter the other side for the other person to feel like they're invaded in some yeah. way or they're compromised or privacy's been obliterated. Yeah, yeah. But think for me with the safety element, I think about now how much I've got in my cup and when I've been with somebody I might be affected by what they've said but Mm. I do extra things to balance out so it's all about balance and in a previous podcast we were talking about light and dark and duality and having the capacity to feel pain can also bring capacity for greater love and how trauma will bring people to a spiritual growth that they might not have come through had they not gone through the painful experiences so I think because of those things seeing the weighing scales the cup whether it's full or empty makes me consciously reflect what I've done what I've heard and then make a decision when I'm out of that process with an individual or a group that I've been serving as a facilitator and then going right do I want to have a takeaway tonight because I can't be bothered to cook because that was quite draining or do I need to go and have a, you know, a long hot bath and read with a book? Or do I need to spend a week not talking to anybody about yeah, any psychological yeah. stuff? Because yeah. that one conversation with an individual created so much for me to think about that I don't have any more space for anybody else now. I so I can create a different set of pathways yeah. for myself afterwards, depending on what I've experienced in the week. Soon as just going to bed now, which probably makes sense for me that having four by four is. I feel with me, the nature of what I do, it improves. I'm only really working with kids for like two years at the most because it's year 10 and 11. So if I get them in year 10, I've got them for year 10, then I've got them for year 11, then they're gone. And for example, the lad I mentioned who lost his sister and stuff, worked with him when he arrived in year 10, but then his attendance got really bad, he was in and out, in and out. And sometimes it would just be a thing that he'd just come into my room and we'd just sit and talk because they noticed he spoke to me a lot more than he did for anyone else. Like, and I don't know if it's like a, a male thing, because there's a lot of female like, staff there. I got him to do a bit of drumming though, and it was good. But then we used to just chat. We used to chat about boxing and just life and whatever. Then in year 11, he was like, oh, I want to make this track. I was like, mate, why? <laughs> I was like, I've been with you for a year. And then like, as you're on the way out, you say to me like, oh, I've got this track I want to write. I was like, you know, we could have been churning it up or whatever. But so he's, he's left crew now because he's finished year 11 and it's like you don't want to let them go kind of thing but then what happens with me is the next lot comes through and then there's always a couple that I call my protégés who are the ones that are particularly talented and on it and it's like right they're the ones that I'm really gonna like try and like go to town on kind of thing 
And it just happens again. And then you take everything that I learned with that lad and I apply it again. So it hopefully gets stronger each year. So I think that's a good thing for me. That it, it's that whole like times are here, the cliche that, that like, I'll be like, oh man, I miss working with that kid. But then you don't think about it for a couple of days. That turns into a week. And then you've got these other, for me, I've got these other young men, predominantly young men, that I'm now got to work with and get to that same. So it's just like a, a conveyor belt. And that actually helps me, but it's not like, yeah, but there has to, there will be a cutoff point. Like, where, like, so we live, I mean, you can say these things about these, these situations and circumstances, because we live in a society where actually we live in a city and there's like, you know, hundreds of thousands of people. I mean, when you're talking, what you were saying, it made me think about what if, if it was a small community and that kid mm. would be someone that you see all the time. I get what you mean. And, you know, in a way, it's almost like the society that we're in. It's like, you know, I know when I'm, if I see someone on the street, then again and again, it's kind of chance in a way. Yeah. Those, those lessons, I know they're set up, but, you know, doesn't it speak about something maybe that we've lost? There would have been that continuous... So in a way, it's like now we have to have a practitioner, someone who does something, who makes something happen, whereas it would have been like a collective thing within the family, the next door. I get what you're saying. I think for me, again, going back to the very start of this conversation with that artistic Mm. ego, it's also knowing that, like, (laughs) kids might disagree because she's, like, my biggest cheerleader, but there's other people like me and there's people that do what I do better as well. So it's like when your time's up working with me and the crew, I can signpost you to some studios or some activities or some youth clubs where there's similar things going on. So it's like, just because you're not doing this with me doesn't mean yeah. that you have to stop. And I think that's where the yeah. ego comes in of being like, yeah. I'm just I'm just one guy. Like there's, yeah. there's definitely other people out there that can help you. Maybe they can help you more than I can in, in this realm of, Music so is going on. There is a connection out there. Yeah, of course, can, of course. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like yeah. you've also got to remember that you're just a human. That's and what I people mean. People piss you off. <laughs> <laughs> some people you're gonna vibe with. Some people are just gonna get on your bloody wick. And so, if you work with some people and there's one person in your group that just pisses you off, then it's all right to just be yeah. like civil and polite and professional. But you don't have to like everybody. And not everyone's the right with, person for right. Exactly. Yeah. Like, there's a whole. Yeah. I'm seeing a lot in education, definitely more with race recently. Where and I get it, that, you know, people run projects engaging young black boys, and they want a black facilitator. Like, you know, I, I, I get, I fully get that. But I think there's that thing of like, not everyone is right for yeah. anyone. I like to think I've got a head where I'll just be honest about with my privilege and whatever is going on, mm-hmm. and I'll ask them questions rather than coming in, you know, you know. In, white Maltese Irish whatever you have Maltese or geezer coming wearing like a you know bloody string vest and like like, like trying to be all like something like, 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 like come straight out the trap that's what I mean like, like, I'm a rapper it's, from bollocks like you know <laughs> like, like, and I think people do that so going back to your question it is difficult I don't think I've got the answer either and I've had it where I've followed kids back into mainstream and I've done like a few sessions with them in mainstream to help them get settled and the teachers want them to be engaged so it's like I've done some like lunchtime music making stuff 
And then, but that has to stop at some point because there's only one of me and I've got, I'm going to be in the pool two days a week and I can't like, you know, so it's also that, and I'm slowly doing that myself, handing it over and going, like, this is a lad I worked with for two years. I feel like I've made a real good stuff, but now I've got to hand it on to this facilitator and it's up to you now. And that's mm. difficult, but that's again, going back to the ego, like it's not about me. It is sometimes when you have people saying, oh, can you send me all the tunes you made? And like, you know, like, no, no, I made that. You do your thing. But but it's like giving credit where credit's due at the same time. Like, you know, like, um, I don't know. I don't have the answer. People always ask me about stuff like that. I've just, I've just got very lucky that I've naturally been able to like talk to people and, and engage people and do you think do you think that actually obviously you know doing what you're doing and you recognize the value it has is there enough being done does more need to be done is you know are, are we missing some tricks hang on this is going to be a two-part yeah. podcast bro. No, no, Six I'll keep going. Um, well, I, think, I think everyone can obviously do, <laughs> everyone can obviously do more but i do i strongly believe it's having the right people it's that thing of like we were talking about music technology earlier, like now anyone can download an app on their phone and make a beat, and that's wicked. Yeah. Like, I think everyone can do it, and everyone can do it well, and I strongly believe in some level of, like, quality control right. <laughs> over what we do. I understand everyone's got to start somewhere. Like, yeah. you know, I think back to, like, when I started doing youth work, volunteering in the local youth centre. I did some stuff that I wouldn't even dream of doing now, like, 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 or, like, like, like what was going through my mind then? Like, you it's know journey, what I mean? Like, it's a journey, um, isn't it? You're yeah, so every day. I get that not everyone's going to be like fresh out of university being like, yeah, like I know exactly what I'm dealing with and stuff. But the question was, sorry, uh, is it enough being done? Is enough, yeah, done? yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, I think you can always do more. I think you can always do, yeah. do more, but. Yeah, I, I understand economics come into it as well. It's not what you do, it's the way that you do it. Exactly it. that. It's what you do, like, it's the um, way that you do it. But I think that's the thing, isn't it? It's like, they keep saying to me in the crew, I hope they're listening. I hope you listen to this. Uh, uh, yeah, right, they, I want to pay mine. I want saying, like, better pension, Bob. They said to me before, like, if the funds would allow it, we'd have you in every day. Like, they just don't get it and they've seen the impact yeah. and whatever. So I think the proof is hopefully touch wood, head into a direction where, whether it's not myself, we build a team where there's music every day. Well, I'm just a Tuesday and Friday that I'm in. Yeah. Like, like, and, and I think that's a little bit linked into can we do more, but then I understand that Money's got magical trees as much as the Tory party like to talk about it and stuff like that. That, that yeah, that, that there are economics and there's limitations and that's what I mean about the quality control. I think it's better to have people that are really good at what they're doing. I get than it. having like but the 50 argument, next people that don't know what they're doing yeah. and just make it messy. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. but the argument is like, for example, I mean, I can give you a direct like arg- argument in, in the sector, in the homelessness sector. It's like that there's developed a way of dealing with it, which they call Hanton first and the whole point is this if you've got for instance in a city and you've got 200 homeless people right rather than paying for the service year on year on year for 20 years if you invested in each individual more I mean it would be more than it will cost you over 20 years but then that investment would bring that person back on the track which means yeah, that yeah. 25 years from now there'd be no so I think that there's an argument in terms of if you invest in people now, down the road, it's cheaper in the long I run. Saying, it's yeah, an yeah, eco- yeah. economic economies. And that, I don't think anybody's looking at that in terms of 
well-being and mental health, but I think it's a, something that needs to be considered because, yeah. you know... Well, you can't blame people for being wrong or broken then, because it's not your fault that you've got somebody who's died and you've gone into some kind of shock or whatever. But you're treated like you're broken and you're not right and you need to be a functioning, economically active citizen that can contribute to the state. Now, why is that? It's because whatever the state's doing, it's doing it under the pretense that we're all autonomous beings and that we're respected where we're at. And so we get the chance to determine our self, our history, our future. So if you take that away from somebody and say, oh, you've been homeless, that means you're broken, you're a criminal, it's your fault, you're wrong. Oh, you've grown up in poverty, well, you should have got a job, you should have listened at school, shouldn't you? It's, it's the sort of denial of responsibility of the sort of conditions that, that we're brought around in, isn't it? Yeah, no, completely. I had loads of comments. When I, I used to work, I used to do, when I first had this job, I used to do two poos on the same day. So I used, to have to, I used to have to finish at one and get a taxi over to like another area of Coventry. And so I'd have had that booked and I'd, the cabbies would usually always say to me like, well, so what, what's this place kind of thing? Is this like a school? And then I'd have to like just go, as a school business, a school of like kids that have been removed from education, so it's like more of a centre. And then every now and then you get some like numpty that would like, you know, be like, oh, so they're all like little, like, you know, little kids, shits yeah, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, well, not really. I think some of them have made, don't get me wrong, some of them like just make bad decisions. And some of them mm. like, I've just, I can't get my head around like how like stupid they act sometimes. Like, like, and, like whatever. Like, but I remember one guy, he was like, he was like going off to me about it. And it was getting to the point where it was like starting to like piss me off a bit. Like, and like, and uh, and he was like, yeah, it's just, um, he was like, it's just stick on the army, stick on the army, national service, you know, because like, you know, that sorted everyone out, didn't it? You know, like get in the army, that like, or whatever, whatever. And I was like, did you serve in the army? And he was like, no. And I was like, well, shut up then. Like, no. was like, was like, was like, I was like, well, uh, both my grandparents served in the army and my granddad was a prisoner of war and he was pretty messed up because of it. Like, so I don't think sending young men to, to go fight in like whatever is going to solve your situation. You mug. And it's also that, it's like, well, if you've got such a like deep thing about it, like, yeah, why don't you volunteer yeah. like, you know, like, down there? If you know what I mean? And it's that thing of like, the people that say we need to look after our own do absolutely nothing to like, you know, like it's like the All Lives Matter crew, and it's like, mm. it's that kind of like neoliberalistic idea of, of the I. And then, yeah, I can't explain it. It's just, uh, yeah. a lot, and I'm not expecting, but that's going back to my other point is then, then I wouldn't want that dude going into the yeah. center and saying to them, you know, your problem is you weren't in it, you haven't been in it, aren't you? Like, you know what I mean? Like, so I don't think everyone is right for the job either. Like, so, like, yeah, so going back to what we what we started with in this podcast episode, what you've just done is take us on a journey of mm. how your day-to-day practice yeah, yeah. shapes the relationship mm-hmm. and how your attitude in the relationship <coughs> shapes how somebody feels through being with you yeah. to create stuff. And that's something that cannot be ma- measured. It cannot be put down in a funding application. It cannot be put into an evaluation through an outcome because you're always going to be given a subjective ob- observation on yeah, what the yeah. person that you're working with is feeling. And the person that you're working with is always going to have a subjective view of what's yeah. gone on between you. And the fact that you're saying that, you know, some of the kids in year 10 gone through, get to year 11, 
they start to maybe open up and yeah, check. Yeah. They wouldn't have got there if unless you put that timing to talk to them about boxing, to listen when they're talking, to let them mould and shape yeah, everything. Yeah. So it could take... Now, listen to this, commissioners. It's pissing me off, so you better listen to this properly. That's it, could take, it could take two years of sitting with somebody yeah, yeah. like Joe, where your dad's on smack, he's got a shotgun in the house, your sister's been hit by a car, your dad's committed suicide, whatever it is, right? It could take you two years to open up about that experience. And would you want to open that experience... Uh, to somebody that you'd just met I'm pretty sure the answer is no and secondly would you want to talk to a random stranger counsellor that the doctor sent you to six months after the last incident happened no it's not so whatever happens in the stop laughing at me Ben there's a way you're looking down the camera as well you can't see this you're looking directly at the camera I was looking down I was looking down I'm actually looking at the table Ben and Joe would just screw in with you here to try and make me sound like incredible an incredible left hook right hook both hooks but you might not feel like it's safe for you to go there because pushing that stuff down so deep might be easier and talking about being in a trap house when you've never been in one or talking about smoking somebody's ash in your spliff or talking about a crime you never committed might be more easy than opening up the door to your heart and the traumatic experiences that you've you've been through but then just having a random come in, make some tunes, and then go. You cannot buy what Joe's giving, and that's care and attention. So it's people like Joe who should be commissioning and controlling the funding because he can see what's happening on the ground and what is needed. So just because you can push paper around on a desk or talk about outcomes, none of that shit is real. Get this, it is not real. And whatever it is that you're thinking about as being a worthwhile value indicator or measurement or some kind of theory of change bullshit, sorry. In the experiences that Joe just described where children are being brought up in this country and left to rot, I'm sorry, but those things don't matter. So just get real. The end. <laughs> Jesus Christ, sorry about that. Yeah, brilliant. No, no. I was just an example just came to my head of like yeah so I'm, I'm going to be running a project in four schools in Coventry after school and it's about engaging at risk young people and I could be at, at risk of gang violence child exploitation or like at risk of exclusion stuff like that and we so we ran into one school and we got we got we got introduced to the the idea is we go into school we meet the young people they've identified we find out what music they're into and then I try I've got to try and put a team together that will best tailor that so if like a load of one learn acoustic guitars. I'm like, I need someone to come play guitar. Like, blah, blah, blah. But we went in this one school and they, they didn't have any kids to speak to. It was like, okay, it's a wasted trip. And then, but they were like, but you can speak to our safeguarding like officers. And I was like, okay, cool. And their thing was just like, they were just trying to scare us, if you know what I mean. They were showing us all these drill videos and like, this is our kids, this is our kids, this is our kids going up. And I kind of had to say to them, like, you're aware, like, I don't know if you're aware, I was like, I work with the ones that you kick out. Like, I work with the ones that you can't so deal with. Like, so like, so all this sorry, is like, yeah, this is like, <laughs> you showing me these videos <laughs> is like normal to me because I get shown them like all the time. But the, the point is, and I, I obviously won't name drop anything. It's all in the press anyway. A lad I work with went down to the school because he had beef with someone 
and he scaled the fence and the school had to go into lockdown because of it and the police were called and he got arrested and stuff like that. Now, and they were talking to me about this young man and I was like, oh, X, like, 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 and, and they were like, yeah. And I was like, he's been like a diamond with me. Like, he's like, we've just been sitting around listening to music. We've started making a beat and he showed me some lyrics in the phone. And they were really like, oh, oh, good luck with him. Good luck with him. And I was like, nah, man, it's like, it's all gravy right now. And then, and then this is a bit of a tangent, but then she said something to me like, she goes, the fact he's talking to a white man, that's real good progress. And I was just a bit like, what the fuck does that mean? Like, like kind of in like, and like, and, but it's like sometimes like, yeah, I don't know where I'm going with that. I just like, because I'm sure they do great work, but it was just like the attitude of it. It was just Labeling. a bit weird. And it was just like, yeah, I, I don't know. I'm sorry. I don't know. It, what you said then reminded me mm. of that a bit because it was like, oh, well, we put him here and we put him here and he tried this and he'd been excluded X amount of times or whatever. Like and I was like, well, maybe you never just put him in a writing workshop where he wanted to share his lyrics. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it's that thing of, I'm not saying everyone can do that, but I was just, it was just that thing of like, going back to what other point, that not everyone is built for every person. Like, with me, his sound, he obviously wasn't getting on with school. Like, you know what I mean? Like, well, he obviously, your safeguarding methods didn't work for him. But in the pool, he's like a really nice kid. And like, he's obviously, I don't know what gets up to outside of school. But with me, it's like, mm-hmm. there's no disrespect. There's no anything. Sometimes, that, yeah. sometimes that's about that initial first contact, isn't mm-hmm. it? Because we've seen situations all the time where two people, and it gets off on the wrong foot, and it escalates to something ridiculous really yeah, fast. Yeah. And I think that's emotional, isn't it? So that kid might simply just, whoever was supposed to be, taking care of them they didn't get it right mm. or they had a bad attitude about them and then yeah. from that moment onwards you've you've kind of made it difficult for that yeah. person so it could be a teacher it could be you know someone who hasn't handled the situation mm. Not the you've got fault. protocol that you've got to follow that yeah. is basically to suit an yeah. organization not to suit a person yeah and i think in all three of our work is like like there's not a root cause. There's like there's so many different yeah. variables and factors. Like I, I can work with kids where they'll tell me about their family life, or I'll meet their parents, and yeah. I'm like, okay, that's that's why <laughs> you're the way you are. But then I've, I've I've got a lad that's been kicked out of private school. You know, had all the privilege in the world, like like so his home life isn't the same as some of the other like you know like so it's like yeah like it it. Something like I wanted to say, which is like I've been because I talk about this a lot with my work and stuff, and I'm trying to write my right there saying who knows, but I've just got all this mm. crap in my head and I'm trying to put it on the paper. And like one thing I've noticed, and one thing I've heard people talk about who work in youth engagement and stuff, is this thing of like people go, Well, they go like, Well, I, you know, they go, Well, I grew up in that on that block, and I never like got involved in in, in gangs, or well, I I I'm from that city and I never did so well, I'm of this ethnicity and I don't feel the need to whatever. And like people get too hung up on like the the, the what, the like the why and think about like what was it I had that they did you know, okay, I grew up on that block. My dad was about and theirs weren't. So like maybe people like, talk to you and yeah. encourage you, their presence, their level of stability. You can't 
judge one person living the same that's what the I next mean. one. you make a lasagna one day it tastes <laughs> different the next day or you make the same pie the point I'm three times to make and it's got have, different tinges yeah, isn't it but people have this attitude of like well well I didn't feel like that when I was young so why are they and it's like well nah man like what there's a re- there's gonna be a reason you can probably work it out but I think people get yeah a bit hung up on well, the that. way around that is the fact that they I think they've done these studies on like biological twins and had just turned up completely differently <laughs> exactly the same environment yeah, yeah, yeah. and I can I can imagine yeah, with like people that do like drug abuse you know mm. like is that what it all known oh it's just what we and I never went and got into more serious like you know like, mm. like it's like well, what was going on at that yeah. moment in your life or what's going on that we're not moment. we're not all identical exactly. and respond to the mm. st- same stimuli the same way we just don't but I think it just shuts down the conversation like oh no I'm bringing that private school kid into it like that also doesn't mean that he hasn't got crap mm. going on. Like, you know, yeah. I mean, that's not what I'm insinuating at all, but it, it, it yeah, it's like, well, we don't, well, who's got, like, I've just done it then. <laughs> I've got a bit of hypocrite, like, like, but it is that thing of like, yeah, it, it's not one size fits all in any shape of the word. And I think too much of our systems are set up that way, whether it's education or it's mental health, or it's, yeah. So I don't know. So we're going to finish off with just a little reference to a movie that I watched called <laughs> The Wisdom of Trauma by Gabor Mate, who's a psychiatrist and physician who works in Vancouver downtown with people from the First Nations, Indigenous people of Canada and people who are experiencing homelessness, prostitution and so on. And he's developed a mode of working with them called Compassionate Inquiry. And in the film, there was a young man who described having privilege, cars, private school education, wealthy parents, and he was an addict living on the streets. So he had a wife, he'd had children, he had like a good job. And he was saying that when he was a kid, people in his family, people bought affection through money. So they didn't give him time. They didn't nurture him and love him and provide the stable base that parents really should be providing for young people to grow from. And that meant that to satisfy the lack of love, he turned to drugs mm-hmm. and ultimately mm-hmm. led the yeah. life that he led. So I just want to leave you to think about that, listeners, and we will finish off with a track from Joe to play you out with. And Joe's going to choose the song. Yeah. I'm happy to right now. So uh, the track I'm going to send you is a dub poetry chat by my band Lobster with a dub poet called More Culture. So that fusion of poetry and music. And it's called The First Bird. Thank you so much. So The First Bird coming up for you now. Thanks, Joe. Thanks, Ben. Thank you. Thanks for coming, Joe. You know, it's Lobster featuring More Culture. First bird. The darling, the twilight, the rising, the settings. At last I can see the blue skies, the cloud has passed, the fresh morning juice and the petals of the yellow rose The sun peeped over the mountain top As I listened 
Season 2 was funded by the Arts Council. Thank you for listening.